Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water, where we offer you the finest and the finer things. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Terry Talks Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Clayton Terry. I'm Ethan Terry. And I'm Ryan Terry. This episode, we are going to be breaking down our top 10 films of 2018. So, first and foremost, no spoilers. Um, If you haven't seen these movies, we don't want to spoil them for you. Um, Secondly, we are going by the years as listed on Letterboxd. So, for example, First Reformed is going to be in a lot of top 2018 movies, but according to Letterboxd, it's a 2017 movie based on the film festivals it came out and whatnot. whatnot. Finally... Um, we're going to have kind of an interesting format for this. So we are going to talk about each movie when it appears highest on someone's list. So say I have a movie at number eight and Ryan has it at number five. We're going to skip over me for um, the eighth rank and we're going to instead talk about it um, when it appears on Ryan's fifth list. This way, we're not retracing our steps and talking about movies someone else has already talked about. And we're kind of saving it for the person who ended up liking it most. So... With all that said, I figure we could go ahead and get started. Um, both me and Ryan's number 10 movies appear higher on someone else's list. So we're going to turn to Ethan for his 10th favorite movie of 2018. Okay, so the 10th favorite film of the year on my list is Damien Chazelle's fourth film, First Man. I haven't seen Whiplash, but I have seen La La Land, and uh, I like La La Land a lot. When did it come out? 2016? Yeah, yeah, end of 2016. I think it was my favorite movie of 2016. Mm-hmm. Me too. And so... Uh, I didn't. I liked First Man a lot. I don't think it's as strong as La La Land, but the reason why it makes my list is mostly because of Chazelle's direction of the space exploration scenes. So whenever they're in rocket ships or towards the end, when it's the final mission yeah. up to the moon, and uh, overall, I just think it's great. I think the performances are great. I think I'm not a big Ryan Gosling fan. I think he plays the same character in everything, and in this, he plays a brooding Ryan Gosling. <laughs> and but uh, I actually really like his wife. Played by Claire Foy. I forget the wife's name, but uh, she does a great job. You know, you really feel for her. It must suck for someone, you know, her position as a wife of an astronaut who's likely going to die. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I don't know. What did you guys think of the film? I really liked it. It just fell out of my um, top 10. I think it's like 12 or something on my list. I'd have to look back. Mm-hmm. But... Like all the things you were saying, I felt like the first act and second act, they were pretty solid, but it really shines in that third act when you have a mix of Chazelle's direction and then also just, I mean, not to spoil it, but they do go to the moon if yeah. you <laughs> know anything about yeah. the Apollo Sorry, missions. Guys. So the direction in all of it's really incredible, but it definitely shines in that third act. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just... I didn't feel as emotionally invested as I did for Damien Chazelle's other movies. Whiplash is in my like top 10, top 15 of all time. I absolutely adored that movie. Uh-huh. Um, La La Land was my favorite of that year and also is in my top 50 list, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Chazelle brings such like skill behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And he has his characters always have such charisma. I never saw Whiplash, but and I never got this in La La Land, but the filming of a lot of this movie just brought me anxiety and dread yeah and but then especially towards the end it's more beautiful than anything and so i think that's like why it makes my list because i was just like so entranced in 
what was happening. I think La La Land and uh, Whiplash are incredibly compelling. And, um, like, especially uh, especially La La Land, I think that's a movie that could only be a film. Yeah. Definitely. And that's the thing I really appreciate about La La Land and Damien Chazelle's directing. And I didn't get that as much. I know it's not going for a similar thing. It's going for something completely different, like a biopic. But um, I just didn't find it as compelling for me. No, but I think what you talk about with, like, anxiety and dread is, like, one of the most interesting parts about that movie is everything else when it comes to um, stories about us going to the moon are like, yeah, America, patriotism. And this is, like, it shows you both. It shows you the cost of Mm -hmm. going, like, all these people that died, all the money, all the the public opinion swaying on it. And it shows you how fucking awesome space is, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So... It kind of presents the argument in an unbiased way, and I know there was some negative reception to it because people thought the movie was unpatriotic, but instead it just took yeah. a more nuanced take. I think the scariest aspect of it all was the like fragility of everything. Like yeah. they're in mm-hmm. the sh- like he shows several attempts at space exploration, mm-hmm. and like they fail time and time again yeah. until the end. And it was like I think that was so like horrifying because it's like you don't hear that, you don't hear how Neil Armstrong almost died several several times like you hear definitely only, you only hear of the success full moon landing so definitely anything else about first man nope okay so. so moving on to ninth favorite movies um my ninth favorite movie was bo burnham's eighth grade so this came out uh in the summer i believe and this movie is just i loved it it captures the feeling of middle school so well it does it unlike any other movie um and the way it ties in social media to show how this main character is struggling with identity and how to present herself in this age of kind of curating an ideal version of yourself that you post up for everyone else to see and it handles that while also handling puberty and like the way your body changes and whatnot and these like new feelings that you're starting to develop at eighth grade and it just it doesn't talk down to people of that age at all um even though i believe it's r-rated it's very much for like early high school late middle school students because i feel like it at least related to the feelings i remember having at that time um and i wasn't even i didn't even grow up with the strong influence that social media has now but this movie didn't make either of your top tens. Why would that be? Was it close? I I think it's mainly because I'm 17 watching this movie. I'm not that far removed from that time period of my life. So in the film, it brought me a different kind of anxiety than First Man. But First Man, <laughs> I'm not I'm not worrying about uh, dying in a rocket crash because you know probably will ne- never likely be in that situation. But this was such a situation that was familiar. And uncomfortable, so I'm in, uncomfortable in the movie theaters, and then I go home and I just forget about it. My brain's like, no, thank you. Yeah. And so I just I don't think about eighth grade. I, I mean, it was well directed, especially for a directorial debut, but I just don't yeah. think about it that much. I really liked eighth grade personally. It just fell shy of my list, mm-hmm. and um, we were big Bo Burnham fans for stand up. Yeah. And yeah, I think a lot of the aspect, not the comedy style necessarily, but like the aspects of like putting a character up from yourself uh, up in front of yourself for the world to see that Bo Burnham loves to do in his comedy routines is very much like a theme in this movie yeah and you definitely see the themes of his comedy routines pop out here where it's like 
the really, really hilarious. And also he allows it to get pretty dark mm-hmm. and he lets you sit in that moment for a while. It's not like dark thing joke. Um, I'm specifically thinking, thinking of a couple scenes that I won't name, but he does that so well of living in a world of humanity where there is comedy, um, but there's also the darker aspects of life and specifically of young life and being in eighth grade. It's and, a good slice. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just gonna say it was a good. It's a good like slice of life type film. Yeah, definitely. So. I really enjoyed it, uh, ranking in at my ninth film. Ryan, we're going to move on to your ninth film, which is also my tenth film. Uh, so my ninth movie is Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, the directing credit goes to Brian Singer, but that's kind of up in the air. Ooh. And uh, starring Remy Malik about the legendary uh, opera rock band Queen up until their performance in Live Aid, and specifically Freddie Mercury, but it does focus on the band as a whole pretty well. And... Um, I really liked this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. And uh, I thought that the way it explored Queen's life, although maybe not 100% accurate all the time, um, did a lot to keep the ethos of the band, like the legendary status of the band, especially Freddie. And uh, they made Freddie a very human character. Definitely. And that's what I really liked about it. And I'm a huge uh, Queen fan. I'm a huge fan of music from that era. So it's... uh, it was it was very nice to see a film uh, accurately represent that era. Yeah, so as I said, this was my 10th favorite movie. Um, it was very important to me that this stayed on my list because I really loved it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that genre of music. Of I mean, I call it dad rock, <laughs> which is kind of... Um, I harsh. Mean, yeah, 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 definitely. That's definitely a harsh title. But Queen has always kind of been an exception for me. I've loved their music for a long time even if i don't know all the songs but i don't know something about this movie just made it one of the most fun movies this year the everyone loves the music and knows and loves the music and freddie mercury is such an interesting character to watch Mm -hmm. and he's arguably the best performer we've ever had um one of the best singers yeah absolutely definitely and the way they do the last 20 minutes of the movie are, is just astonishing. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of want to see the movie again just for that last 20 minutes, mm-hmm. even though the whole movie's very good. Um, and Rami Malek is absolutely incredible in this. In my opinion, he can do no wrong, really. I love him in Mr. Robot. Um, and that's the two main things that he's been in. But um, I'm hoping he gets Oscar noms for this and maybe even wins because it's really a standout performance yeah this didn't make my list because i didn't see it so <laughs> but when i see it they'll probably make the list yeah this is like the only one right where you haven't seen yet that we'll yeah, be I think talking so. about i had uh just saw the live aid performance before going for the first time in person right you went to the live yeah aid yeah absolutely <laughs> i just saw it on the internet before uh going to see the movie and it is it is so like accurate yeah like all of the pepsi cups on the piano are exactly the same Uh and it's like the whole history of queen and live aid is really interesting Mm -hmm. and there's so much to do with that and the way it represents also like the other characters were fun to watch the other band members roger taylor john deacon brian may who's one of the greatest guitarists ever and they approved the movie so yeah they were there yeah for a lot brian may was at least so moving on to eighth films uh eighth favorite films uh, me and Ethan have the same eighth favorite film, and it falls in at Ryan's tenth, 
and this is Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. So I saw this in May, and it's always like stayed in the middle of my top 10 list because this movie is just like all Wes Anderson movies. It is so delightful and just fun to watch. The um, animation style, the, is it claymation if it's not really clay? Do they still, or stop motion. Stop, yeah. Stop motion animation. They're able to accomplish something that looks really kind of unique and pretty gorgeous. Um, the story is really heartwarming. And obviously, you've got Wes Anderson's directing, which if I made movies, that would be the style I would want to replicate yeah. more than anything else because the symmetry is just so satisfying and the color palette, um, it kind of brings this level of whimsy to it that tells you what you're observing may be kind of like tense and suspenseful and maybe scary, especially with movies like Grand Budapest Hotel. But th- you're watching a movie. Like this level of whimsy exists and in this fictitious world Mm -hmm. and that's always kind of stood out to me as one of my favorite aspects of his films yeah i think other than maybe grand budapest hotel this is the strongest wes anderson film in my opinion and uh yeah it's just so wholesome so funny and like so impressive all at the same time Mm -hmm. and uh, this cast is fantastic it's got everyone in hollywood and brian cranston scarlett johansson ed norton jeff goldblum it's hilarious they're all fantastic (laughs) They're all so good. Mm-hmm. I say, Ryan, this came in at your 10th film. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about it? It wasn't quite as high as ours. Uh, I thought the presentation was amazing. I thought I really loved the film. I guess it kind of... The thing is, I didn't think about it as much as some of my other films. And uh, it was pretty high at the beginning of the year. It took... I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say it took a hit. I just saw movies that I kind of... That kind of stood in my brain a bit longer. Mm-hmm. That will eventually get to but i did really enjoy it i love the i love wes Anderson's style uh grand budapest is one of my favorite movies i think yeah top same. 50 at least i also love royal tenenbaums moonrise kingdom royal tenenbaums especially i think i like the most here and it's just like his comedy style i find very very fun to watch yeah. it's like you're watching a children's story book yeah unfold as a movie and that's what i really like about it no matter how dark it is like grand budapest not it's not dark necessarily, but like it touches on subjects that another movie could see as dark. Doesn't someone get decapitated in Grand Budapest Hotel? Oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah, it does, it's dark. <laughs> but you got the yeah. aspect ratio and the color mm-hmm. palette. That's like you're watching well, I was a movie. Re- I was referring to like the SS later in the film. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Highly recommend. Not only one of our favorites of this year, but definitely one of our favorites that Wes Anderson's um, been able to produce. So moving on to seventh highest films. Um, the only one who has a seventh highest film that isn't later is me, and it is a movie that neither of you have seen uh, called Love, Simon. Um, this was a smaller movie that came out towards the beginning of the year, and it's on HBO now, and that's how I watched it. I didn't see it in the theaters. And this movie's about um, a young guy who's gay in high school that falls in love over the internet with another gay student at his high school, but he doesn't know who it is. Um, it's based on a book and it kind of follows the story of this character, Simon, um, not only trying to figure out who the person who he calls blue that he's been corresponding with, um, not only trying to figure out who he is, but also trying to figure out who he, who himself is, who Simon is. Um, he's struggling with this identity and how to represent himself while still, hiding this giant secret from him. And what I love so much about this movie is 
this movie is why representation matters because you have for a very very long time you had lgbtq plus characters and also like characters of color that weren't the main character they were the side character that maybe had one or two attributes to them other than the fact that they were gay or black or hispanic um so this takes a look at a character who's gay who is more nuanced yeah he's more nuanced and he's human and he's not like over the top there's this one part in the movie where he looks up how to dress like a gay guy (laughs) and it's like he doesn't have himself figured out and he's trying to figure that out and what i love about this movie is this is one of the many movies that's come out in the last two or three years where these underrepresented groups have someone to identify with um and that's just was really special to me um on top of that this movie is very funny um there weren't any cringeworthy what are those jokes even though there very definitely could have been there's no rick and morty jokes yeah there stop it hey that was funny in eighth grade uh, it was it's, it's, that was funny it like turns an eye on itself that was the appropriate audience for rick and morty yeah it's <laughs> eighth grade uh, eighth graders no but and then also the soundtrack is really good um it's a lot of indie songs of the last like two or three years um so i was actually like listening to that um after i stopped listening to queen from bohemian rhapsody i would be listening to the love simon soundtrack like what what bands um, the bleachers were in there a lot. Uh, I'm trying to 1975. Um, yeah, so this movie's on HBO right now, as far as I know. And like I said, the soundtrack's great, so you can listen to that on Spotify. But yeah, I just I really like this movie, and I think more people should see it because it didn't have a huge um, box office turnout, as far as I know. Um, but it's really good. We're now moving on to sixth favorite movies, and we're gonna start with. The favorite, which is Ryan's sixth favorite movie, and Ethan's seventh. I really liked The Favorite, directed by uh, Yorgos Lanthimos and starring Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weiss. And it's about these like handmaidens fighting for the affection of the queen. And it's a very simple plot that has a lot, you can do a lot with it, and they absolutely do in this film. There's a little bit of political intrigue, there's a a lot of comedy. A lot of comedy. It's very funny. Uh-huh. The, uh, the characters are all extremely fun to watch. Some of them are downright despicable, but very fun to watch. And uh, I absolutely, I loved it. Especially the presentation. is uh, It's very well directed. One the of the best directed films. Fish-eye shots, yeah. the wide angles. Um, I think out of all the films I've listed, except maybe my number one, I think the... Best performances I've seen all year came from this film. I think Emma Stone is incredibly charismatic. I think Rachel Weisz is incredibly funny. And I think the queen, I forget her name. Olivia Coleman Is great at everything. I think she's winning <laughs> every Oscar. Yeah. And so it's just, I don't think this movie could stand up the way it does without this stellar cast. So I'm really happy that, you know, they were there. This was like, a, it's this movie in my top two that I think are the best directed, best performed. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to eventually, but uh, very funny. You should absolutely check it out if you get the chance. Yeah, I saw this last night, um, actually at the time of recording this, um, and I really liked it. It's just barely my 11th movie. Okay. I couldn't, I didn't have the heart to knock off Bohemian Rhapsody, but yeah, I agree with everything you guys are talking about. 
the script is one of my favorite scripts of this year. It's so quick and witty mm-hmm. and brutal to its characters in a really, yeah. really funny way. Um, but it also lends itself to some more moments of kind of darkness, mm-hmm. especially the ending, which we won't spoil, but it's very ambiguous and kind of dark, which is what you would expect from Yo Girl Anthemos. Not as dark as Killing of the Sacred Deer, supposedly. Yeah, I haven't seen that. that even no, just the title doesn't sound like something I'd want to watch right now. <laughs> um, yeah, the costume design and set design is gorgeous. Yeah, I oh, usually absolutely. I hate like period pieces, but it, this was good because mm-hmm. it never took me out of it. I was always like, I always believed that we were in this world. In this and it uses period. it uses its period very creatively. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Nicholas Hulse and who's the other? I'm not sure. Steve of. Mattis, who is um, Mycroft. Yeah. Uh, Sherlock, yes. he's in it. Uh-huh. Just the like the two parties going back and forth is awesome. It's so funny. Yeah. And it's like it does things with its uh, setting and with its time period that uh, really takes advantage of what makes it special. It somehow at the same time doesn't take itself too serious and takes itself serious. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah, that's a really it's good so, point. Uh, it's just fun to watch. It's so charismatic it's so but it's so silly at times it's so it that's my like breed of comedy that i love so much that just like silly just like random humor (laughs) not random but more like and like most period pieces like i can't get past the fact that i'm watching a period piece but this uses kind of the pop and the language of that as comedy yeah Yeah. so like the way the characters talk is in itself kind of a joke even like the way they move in certain like in the dancing scene it's ridiculous that's probably that's one of my (laughs) favorite so funny it's probably one of my favorite character scenes of the year if not so good well i don't think they really dance like that so i think that itself is like yeah it's incredibly self-aware such a self-aware movie definitely really loved it still in theaters probably going to get a bunch of oscar nominations now we're going to switch to widows directed by steve mcqueen um this is my sixth favorite film of the year and it doesn't appear on either of your lists but we did all see it and i really love this movie the way i describe it always is that this movie fucks (laughs) this movie right from the get-go you see just incredibly well-directed action and a really like kind of powerful sex scene like right from the beginning um, all the performances are absolutely incredible. Uh, for those of you that don't know that haven't seen this movie, the plot focuses around a bunch of widows. All their husbands were criminals and they all died. This is all found out in like the first five minutes of the movie. And Viola Davis owes money to uh, Brian Tyree Henry's character, who is Paperboy in Atlanta. He's absolutely incredible in this movie. But my favorite performance is probably um, Daniel Kalua, who plays Brian Tyree Henry's like top goon basically yeah. and he is evil yeah he's pretty horrifying <laughs> he's so scary um some of the stuff he does to these characters is like scary in like a really badass way yeah <laughs> but um, like, i kind of want to hang out with him but i'm scared he'd beat the hell out of me yeah, yeah definitely mm-hmm. like you say like one wrong opinion he like <laughs> just shoots yeah, you yeah, yeah um but yeah someone joked on twitter that was like daniel clue in this movie is like he escaped the house from get out and never let anyone else fuck <laughs> with him again <laughs> um but yeah, I just, I love this movie. I love the action. I love the political intrigue. I love the characters. I love the performances. The one thing I don't like is Colin Farrell. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah. I just hate him as an uh, actor. Yeah. There's so many, I like, I like this movie. Cool. 
Hans Grindelwald. Watching Colin Farrell transform in Johnny Depp is fucking scarier than some of the movies we have higher up on our list. <laughs> so this, what are we talking about? Widows. <laughs> yeah. uh, Widows I liked a lot. Didn't make my top 10. But it, uh, I liked how there was so many side plots. Yeah. So much happening at once. And I kind of followed it all throughout. And I think the main reason it probably doesn't make my list is because I didn't feel that strongly about any character. So that's probably... I really liked Viola Davis. Yeah, I liked her, but like any of the other... Any of her heist friends, I guess you'd call them. Heist, <laughs> heist friends. Heist buddies. buddies. I, I like the tall one. <laughs> so you oh, don't yeah. even know their names. <laughs> I like, don't know any of the characters' names. I don't, I don't know anybody's name. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really good as well. I um, It did just hit... I think it was 12th. And mm-hmm. then 8th uh, grade was... Or my vice versa, maybe. Yeah. But um, I think that uh, the reason it didn't get in my top ten was because I just kind of didn't think about it as much as the other films on my top ten. And uh, I really liked it walking out of it. And um, I thought it was uh, a lot of... Not fun. Fun isn't the right word. That was really fun. interesting. Yeah, it, it was, was fun. thrilling, yeah. It was thrilling. I thought the direction is so good. I keep thinking of the shot where it like, follows Colin Farrell's car. And you don't see them, but yeah. you hear their conversation, like him and his, his assistant. Oh, that's really good. And uh, just the way this movie's directed is so good. Steve McQueen's such a yeah great director. I really, I'm, oh sorry, I really want to see Twelve Years a Slave, which yeah, is probably what you were gonna say. I was gonna say I've been told this is uh, Widows is like Steve McQueen making a film for normies. Yeah, but so I want I want to know what his other films are like now. This year we had a couple people make movies that from like really interesting kind of eclectic directors yeah that were probably the most accessible to normal audiences i'm specifically thinking of widows and the favorite yeah which that's are, what i was thinking and even first man is that's probably the mm. most um appealing to a general audience of uh damien chazelle's films maybe la la land i don't know for suspiria he got a lot weirder luca guadagnino yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and call me by your name was pretty weird <laughs> yeah it was very good but it's kind of weird yeah anything else about widows no so we're now going to move into the top five. So me and Ethan, both of our top, both of our five, fifth favorite movies appear later in someone else's list. So we are going to move to Ryan, whose fifth favorite movie is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This was also my ninth favorite film of the year. Yes. I thought this movie was a lot of fun. It's the new Coen Brothers film on that. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, like two, like three of the stories were a lot of fun. And then one of them was Soul Crush. But, uh. I think that um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's the new Coen Brothers film from Netflix. That's like an anthology film with six, six, right? Yeah, What's six stories. Name? Okay. Six short stories and uh, that they just wrote over the span of 20 years, all to do with the Wild West. And I don't think it ever takes itself too seriously. And even in the more depressing shorts. And I think that's a big strength for the film. That's why they open it with the Ballad of Buster Scruggs short, because it's ridiculous and <laughs> amazing. And so fun. Mm-hmm. If the whole film was like that, it might be my favorite film of the year. <laughs> but uh, I thought that it was, it showed off the talents of the Coen brothers through each part of their career and uh, each style that they incorporate into their films. And that's why I really like it. You, like, you see a little bit of um, Fargo in the, second short you see a little bit of no country for old men in the the one about the order you see a little bit of oh brother where art thou in the first one you know i lo- and then the and the what fifth one the stagecoach one i would say that's, that's the last one i think that's a serious man give me a serious man vibes yeah that's true too 
like the the dialogue can be very witty like it always is for them and um that's why i really liked it yeah so i've watched three coen brothers films in the past like couple weeks and uh a serious man ballad of buster scruggs and uh after reading. reading and uh man they're just so fun to watch they're so easy to watch mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I like Battle of Us Griggs a lot. I think it's tough because I really liked some shorts and then some others I was fine with. Like a James Franco one, I was like, uh, that's not yeah, fine with this. Yeah. But then the one with uh, Harry's stepbrother. <laughs> What's his name? What? <laughs> the Dudley. Paraplegic. <laughs> that's Dudley. Dudley Doyle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Liam Neeson. Dudley Doyle. Liam Neeson. I should have just said that. But, uh. No, that's the name of... <laughs> the one with Dudley. Is that the name of Malfoy's uh, goons? No. I think Dudley's... Is it Dudley? Dudley? I'm not the sure. Fat like, I really like oh, that okay. one. That was probably like the most art housey one, I would say. Yeah. The, definitely the most depressing. So it was like... It was a range of emotions throughout the film. And I think that's why it ranks lower on my list. But I definitely liked it a lot. That's the thing with me. I Of the movies you guys listed that I didn't... This is probably the one that's lowest. I don't even know if it makes my top 15. It probably does, but it's um, lower. Uh, I just... Two or three of the shorts I really, really loved. Yeah. Um, I'm specifically thinking of the dog one. I love the dog yeah. I like the I like the one where the, the guy's digging for gold. Yeah. Oh, that was so enjoyable. Um, Sage Ghost one, one was pretty good. Um, but the I, Liam Neeson one, I was like, did I need to go through that? Uh, you know what I mean? I didn't feel like... Which one was I, the stagecoach one? The stagecoach one, the one at the end where they're talking. It's I like really a Quentin Tarantino that. movie. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I really liked that. I thought, I, again, mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. I thought the just the relying on dialogue worked for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Liam Neeson one, I was like, I don't think I had to be put through that. I think that was unnecessary. And the James Franco one to me had nothing to say. And it was just kind of pointless. It was like filler. I feel like the Liam Neeson one should have gone on and get, gotten more ridiculous. The Liam like, Neeson one or James Not Frank? sorry, not the Liam Neeson. Sorry, the James, James Franco one. Yeah. yeah. That would have been funny if yeah. he keeps like... If he keeps <laughs> getting caught. And, yeah. yeah, and keeps getting a, keeps escaping, which I thought they were going to do. And then yeah, it too. just ends. Yeah. Um, I love the Liam Neeson one. It yeah, was depressing as hell. Yeah. I don't Very know. Very good. It's not... I just don't like depressing content. No, I do. I mean, you and I have talked about this off podcast, <laughs> Ethan, mm-hmm. um, about like what kind of content do we want to consume right now because we get a lot of depressing stuff just from living in 2018 yeah and i think this year more than any other year my list is filled with movies that i left the theater feeling kind of good um with the exception of a couple that are coming but yeah i just so four of the stories i really liked and two i one i would probably outright remove and one was good but i didn't understand why i had to be put through it and that's why it doesn't fall in my top 10 anything else about the coens or buster scruggs nope so all of our four favorite movies appear later in someone else's list. So like that, we're in our top three. Ooh. And we're going to start with my third favorite movie of the year. This is Ethan's fourth favorite movie of the year and somehow Ryan's eighth favorite movie of the year. Ugh. But this is oh the greatest action movie ever made. <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout. The greatest Mission Impossible movie ever made and the greatest action That's movie debatable. Ever. Mission Impossible 2 was pretty good yeah, right, with, the, yeah. with the, the dubs. Pigeons. <laughs> the, the, ca- pigeons. the camera. No, dubs. They were yeah, dubs. Probably yeah, dubs. <laughs> pigeons. <laughs> Why would they be pigeons? No, I don't. That movie was a blur. <laughs> so I was so excited for this movie. The trailers were so good. I made ethan and ryan sit down and we watched all the mission impossibles which we had only seen for better or worse yeah four and five it was tough 
Yeah, we yeah. did a podcast on this. This is how much we all liked not only the franchise, but also um, the Fallout. But I guess I liked it the most. Um, this movie is the most fun I've had in a movie this year, I would say. Uh, it is the perfect popcorn movie, but it has some really, really incredible directing yeah. and cinematography and action choreography mm-hmm. and stunts. Obviously, the stunts are absolutely mm-hmm. remarkable. It just... Everything about this movie was so enjoyable to me. And it was like two and a half hours long, but I swear I could have sat in the theater for another hour and been happy. Yeah. It just... I love this movie. Yeah, the first big stunt of this is... And this happened pretty early, but it's them jumping out of a plane and it's like real-time crews jumping out of a plane. Yep. And like as soon as that happened, I was like, oh shit, this is this is different. Like this, yeah. is, this is the one I've been like really waiting for. Mm-hmm. And it's just... The rest of the movie just escalates from there and it's great and i love it it has like three or four of those like insane set pieces yeah because there's helicopter on the end yeah there's them driving around mm-hmm. in the city and then there's the rooftop yeah. run i yeah. like the four set yeah. pieces yeah, yeah. yeah. The rooftop, <laughs> it's probably the least dangerous one out of all of those right i would uh, think I yeah. but it's probably the most likely to have a small accident like in a helicopter if you're going down you're, you're dead <laughs> yeah you're just dead like there's the one anecdote where someone was like i think we lost tom because <laughs> he like he does that fall that he does in the trailer and hits like the cargo that the helicopter's carrying, mm-hmm. and they didn't see him like grab onto the other side or something, and they thought they just dropped him. I mean, I'm sure he was attached, oh but God. he could have been knocked unconscious pretty That'd be easily. Horrifying. I know, right? Tom, can you imagine killing Tom Cruise? <laughs> um, in trying to make him one of the movies. Yeah. And I think he'd have it that way. Yeah, that's probably how he wants to go out. That's why he keeps up in. Yeah. I mean. Oh, I just I love watching this movie so much. We got out of the theater and we were like, we should try skydiving. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's how that's horrifying. <laughs> badass the movie is, and I we talked about this in the podcast, so I won't go too much into it. But I just love Ethan Hunt's mentality of having to save the one mm-hmm. and save the million. Mm-hmm. I that works for me so much, and Avengers: Infinity War tries to do it again, tries to do it as well, and in my opinion, it works better than this movie. Can you imagine being asked to fly a helicopter into a moving truck and then them cutting it from the real movie? <laughs> That's what he did? Yeah, Wait, really? He flew in, the, in the trailer, he flies his helicopter at a moving, <laughs> an oncoming truck, and it's not in the movie. Do you think he asked to do it? Maybe. <laughs> but I mean, we can we talk about this podcast, so I won't mm-hmm. tread too much, but... They figure out the set pieces, and then they figure out the movie. So it's a miracle the movie works at all. But the yeah. movie really works, and the set pieces. Yeah, it's kind of the... It's weird. kind of the, I'm happy we watched all of them, because it's kind of the culmination of all the films together. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. His wife is back. Yeah. Isla Fisher's back. Yeah. And it's, it's just, like, the whole crew's here, except for Jeremy Renner. But other than that, the whole crew's here. Oh, oh I love him. Yeah. What is he doing? Avengers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Endgame, yeah. yeah. Tag. And tag, yeah, you're right. That movie apparently was horrible. Was it really? Yeah, it was got Hannibal Buress. Yeah, it does. I just feel like I don't have much to say about Fallout that I haven't already said in the other podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really loved it. It's one of the best action movies I've seen. Shut up. You kind of loved it. <laughs> yeah, it is an eighth. I should phrase that. Eh, I don't know. It's too late, man. Too late. All yeah. four and a half on Larabot. Oh my god, I watched a lot of four and a half this year. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else about Fallout? Nope, go see it if you haven't. Go buy, go go find a theater still playing it because <laughs> probably not. <laughs> okay, so uh, both of your thirds are the same and they appear later. So mm-hmm. we're going to move on to 
back to me. <laughs> My <laughs> second favorite film, which was Hereditary. This was Ryan's fourth favorite movie and Ethan's sixth favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys had it lower, but we'll start with you. What did you guys think of Hereditary? It was very close to being my favorite movie of the year at the beginning. I just saw I just saw two more movies. It was it was this movie and my third and my second favorite movie of the year. Or no, sorry, third favorite movie of the year that were battling it out. And then I saw my favorite two, and that kind of that changed things definitely. <laughs> Um, but I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was horrifying, absolutely horrifying. And like no, very few horror movies get to me in the same way that Hereditary did, especially like driving home in like rural nowhere America, <laughs> like at one o'clock at night. Your sister hanging out the car. Yeah, her corpse. <laughs> okay, well, let's be careful. <laughs> um, Ethan, you have the lowest of us at six. Yeah, I think it's I. Trust me, I love this movie. Uh, I think the the type of movie it is is one I don't gravitate towards because it's horrifying and makes me very uncomfortable. Makes me more uncomfortable than Eighth Grade, First Man, and everything else on this list. It was just uh, it's very um, tense and like it just makes me feel uncomfortable. It, I wanted to die most of the film, <laughs> and so. But I liked I loved it a lot. I think the the direction's great. It's kind of shot like a Wes Anderson movie at times. It's <laughs> like oh Edison, yeah, it's uh, like the Dollhouse, and then just I there's one scene in particular that I really love, and I don't know if it's much of a spoiler, but I'm saying it anyways. It's when they're in the room together. You can see this in the trailers, but she's like talking to him, and then it cuts back to her son, and he's covered in gasoline, and then it cuts back to her, and she's covered in gasoline, and it cuts back to her son, yeah. and then there's like you see like a fire in the background, and then it's like a dream sequence or whatever. But that was just so great. Just talking about this movie is making me uneasy. Mm-hmm. So I think it might be a high. My reason. It's so good. <laughs> it's I really think good. It's my second favorite movie of the year, but this is probably the movie that left the biggest impact on me. So to kind of tell the story of how we saw this, we were deciding between this and Incredibles two. And I thought this was going to leave theaters soon. So I made you guys go sit through it. I was really excited for it. Yeah, I was very excited for it. And Ethan... not <laughs> So horrified. I hate these movies. Ethan doesn't like horror movies. I like certain types of horror movies. I like feel-good horror movies. Like, the thing is kind of fun. Yeah. Hereditary is not fun. No. I've never had a horror movie scare me. Like, it sounds pompous but it's it's just true and i think ryan you're kind of in the same boat yeah it was it was two movies this year and one that'll pile up later in the list that were two of the only horror movies in like my adolescent up life that actually scared me <laughs> mm-hmm. and um that that's remarkable to both this year that's remarkable honestly yeah so i mean we've seen shining the thing mm-hmm. alien um it comes at night last it year comes at night. it was creepy yeah this is the only movie that has truly terrified me. This I couldn't I couldn't sleep the night after. I had trouble sleeping for like a couple weeks. Um, some of the shots in this movie are like etched into my brain in stone. And as soon as I got out of this movie, or probably the next day, I texted all my friends. I was like, "You have to see this." And they were like, "Oh, let's go at this time." I was like, "No, you guys are going. I'm not seeing this movie again." And thank god my friend my friend went and then we talked about the movie um for like an hour in a car ride just breaking down the plot and the shots and how deeply and setting upsetting it was it it is so scary (laughs) it 
the shots towards the end of this movie, each one's like an incredible painting that you would never want to look at. Um, this movie just works for me in terms of it works at scaring me more than any other movie I've ever seen this year. And um, just in my lifetime, I loved Hereditary in the worst ways. <laughs> I think I think it's going to pop and fall. It's going to bump up on I think it might bump up, yeah. It's uh it's good. Mm-hmm. I got to I think I'm in a place right now where I could watch it again. Um I could watch it. I'd rather die. <laughs> it got a D minus I think from audiences. Audiences that's, really hated it. That's not shocking. It's, it's not weird we, and creepy. When we saw this movie, um we saw it in a relatively smaller theater cuz like I said it um it was probably going to leave theater soon and there weren't that many people there but one older couple like middle aged they left about three-fourths of the way through and then at the at the towards the end there were like a group of teenage girls probably like high school age that were just sobbing through the ending they they were just crying that's how scary it was and i was like i feel you <laughs> that is really horrible then what you think about walking out no oh, okay remember there's the one out. shot that i would love to talk about in like a spoiler section but where i was like oh fuck and you hadn't realized like what the shot contained yet yeah and it like kind of clicked oh, oh my that's probably one of my least favorite and favorite shots of the year. It is. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Anything else about Hereditary? I don't think so. No. It's it's very close to being like on my top 50. All four of these movies. Like I was thinking that 2018 was going to be, a, was like disappointing, like just a month ago. Yeah. And then like now my top four, any of them could be on my top 50. I'd be happy. Definitely. Know. So equally horrifying. <laughs> we're gonna move into ethan's second favorite movie which is spider-man into the spider-verse <laughs> spider-man into the spider-verse is the perfect spider-man film the perfect kids film the perfect animated film and almost the perfect film spider-man <laughs> into the spider-verse is everything you want from a superhero movie it's just it's fun it's incredibly refreshing the animation is the greatest i've ever seen in anything animated and i saw i probably would have said that earlier and i would have been like incredibles 2 is really well animated but then uh, spider-man blows it out of the park it and it's crazy because if you read up on this movie people were like coming in and out there's producers here there and it's directed and it's produced by sony so this should fail like it should just be horrible directed by three people yeah that's a lot and phil lord and chris miller were a part of it it was just there's this so many steps that went into it but it is so fantastic there's there's not it doesn't miss a beat in the movie it's incredibly self-aware it knows what it is and it doesn't where i feel like movies that address issues like the modern media where it's like it's like the emoji movie i guess or stuff like <laughs> yeah. that also made like, by sony also made by yeah. sony they, which is crazy <laughs> yeah this never this never has a what are those jokes or rick and morty joke <laughs> like it's just it's 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 so funny it's it's good it's the first time i feel like in a well maybe not because there's another one this year but uh it's incredibly important that representation in superhero films is finally happening yeah mm-hmm. and uh you've got miles morales a young african-american latino kid growing up in brooklyn you have Gwen Stacy, uh, who's Spider Gwen. You have uh, a pig. You have a pig. You have Nicolas Cage working again. <laughs> Everything's great. It's just it's so fun. 
Nicholas Cage has never stopped working. Dude. That's the problem. <laughs> Wasn't he in debt or something? Yeah, he's like a couple hundred million, mil- a couple million in debt, and that's why he keeps making shitty films. It's just because he needs to pay off his debt. I'm he, sorry, not this one. He, this year he had a lot of good movies because he had Mandy too, yeah. which is yeah. an honorable mention, I'd say for me. Oh, I want to see that. It's good. And so, if you look at this movie and you don't think it's perfect, I hate you. Um, you're wrong, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's so fun and. What a what a great time to be a Spider-Man film. And I know we said that during the video <laughs> game podcast of Spider-Man, but now I really mean it. Um, I should say this is my fourth favorite film of the year and Ryan's seventh. Ryan, what were your thoughts on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? I think this movie has a lot of passion. And I think it really loves and appreciates Spider-Man. And not just the Peter Parker Spider-Man, but every single iteration of Spider-Man that has ever existed and what Spider-Man means to so many people. And that's why I think it's been so well-received and successful. And uh, yeah, I really loved it as well. It was a ton of fun. As I agree with everything Ethan and Ryan are saying. Um, this is, it really is a crime. We did our Spider-Man podcast like two or three months before this came out. Because this is the best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. Um, it's better than the, the game. game. Yeah, it's, it blows the game it's out the of the water. the best Spider-Man content I've ever been a part of well not a part of you made <laughs> you've ever made it. witnessed <laughs> but uh it was oh, so good so good the animation style is so interesting and unlike anything else we've ever seen and it looks just gorgeous i think um the shot in the trailer miles morales falling back into new york city as it's upside down one of my favorite shots of this yeah. year it was such a remarkable movie it's like watching a comic, not unlike Scott. Literally, Miller. yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I think uh, it's so good. This, the movie's like an hour and 53 minutes long, Yeah, and it feels like, it felt like 25 minutes like in the film, because I was just having so much fun. Time flew by. I think, like, I had chills down my spine. I, oh, I just loved it. It's they, funny. They nail every character, whereas, like, I was a little worried about, like, Spider-Ham. Like, I love John Mulaney, but I was <laughs> yeah. like... How many jokes can you do with how many pig jokes can you make? And it was perfect. It was so good. And then oh man. Can you float in the air when you smell a really good pork? (laughs) Or not pork, what is he? I don't know. That'd be weird if it was pork. (laughs) And they how many times have we seen the Spider Man story? And we're still getting like fresh takes on it. Especially Mm -hmm. this movie. This is my I said this during the game version, but this is my favorite version of Aunt May. She's like really badass and isn't some passive character. She like takes part in helping the spider people with their Mm -hmm. task. She she knows what's going on too. Mm -hmm. Like Aunt May never knows what's going. I think she figures out in the comics and in Spider-Man 3 you figure out that she knew. Yeah, um, Spider-Man 3 she's like 90. Yeah, which this movie addresses how yeah. ridiculous that movie is, which is yeah. awesome. I think I think this movie, they just say Peter Parker, the amazing Peter Parker that's in the movie for the most part. I think they just say that's Tom Holland, Peter Parker, and just say it's part of the continuity, like a long, down the line in Marvel, and I'll be Peter okay with B. it. Peter B. Parker, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's flawless. It's up there. It's the best film ever made. Right. Okay. Well... <laughs> Anything else about Spider-Verse? I don't think so. Go see it. Absolutely. We are now moving on to Ryan's second favorite movie of the year. This also falls into Ethan's fifth place, and I did not see it this year. So this is all them, but this is Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. This movie, it fucked me up. (laughs) Like, harder than Hereditary did. 
And uh, honestly, there was one scene near the beginning. It's like the first really horrifying scene. First time it was horror. Yeah, the first, first time, time it was, was horror. Like, it decided to be the horror genre. Where I thought about leaving. Because really? it, they do crazy body distortion stuff. And it just, it screwed me up. It's so, so good. And like, it's an all-female cast too, with the exception of um, two like minor cop characters. That barely have any lines. Yeah. Even like the one male character, the one important male character is played by Tilda Swinton. Yeah. And um, I thought it was fantastic. I thought there's no movie I've seen quite like this one. And uh, Tom York did the soundtrack. The soundtrack's fantastic. And I just want to talk about Tom York as much as possible. <laughs> so, Yeah, I love this film as well. I think it beats, it's higher than Hereditary on my list. Not because... You say I think you said this movie fucked you up. I think Hereditary fucked me up more. I think I, I think the ending for Hereditary fucked me up more. The ending of this movie didn't really fuck me up. Yeah. So I this movie, it's the type of movie similar to Call Me by Your Name that I shouldn't like. Like I should be bored during. <laughs> that like I'm just like all right, come on, move on. But it is exactly the opposite. I was so intrigued by everything that was going on. And I think it's mostly because of his directing style. But it was just and I. Everyone did great. Tilda Swinton, uh, Dakota Johnson, like, she's the Fifty Shades girl, right? Yeah. Like, she did fantastic, like, surprisingly good. And uh, just, and it was very horrifying at times. I think my biggest problem with this movie, it would probably be higher, but I didn't love the ending. Like, I thought it was kind of like, I don't want to say a gore fest. It is absolutely a gore fest. Yeah, I'll say a gore fest. I did a good way. Yeah. I did not expect that this movie goes there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's my biggest problem with the movie. Everything leading up to that is like fantastic. They're like, I was in the film. I was like, oh, this is my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. uh, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like I was glued to the screen. Except the one scene where, except for the body distortion Yeah, no, I still close my eyes a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I had my eyes closed throughout the whole, that whole scene. Like, yeah. just like the I, 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 I did, like, and no. that's why I thought about leaving. <laughs> really? I was like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah, so, do you want me to describe the scene? No. <laughs> okay. Because it's really cool how they do it, but. I'm going to be honest, I don't know very much about this movie, except that it's a remake. I was picturing it was like Black Swan and that kind of horror. Am I wrong? Kind of, kind of. Not. You'll see. It's I, I think it's a, like a mixture of... There's, there's times I laughed. There's times I... Do you know what it's about? No. Okay. Do you want me to no, tell you? No. It's like a dance company, right? Yeah. Just, what? Just, no, don't, just, just don't tell. <sighs> okay. Well, we, we described some of the other films' plots, so I didn't know if we should do that. No, I think you're better off going to this movie knowing nothing. I knew the film poster was kind of weird looking, and that's all I knew. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else about Suspiria? No. Go see it somewhere. It's probably on some streaming service. It's going to be on Amazon Prime soon, because I would have watched it before this. But yeah. Cool. And also, what a awesome year for representation. And it feels like the first year we're not like talking about it just to talk about it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's good. Like, we're getting representation, and it's not like a headline. It's a, Like, it's a great film. Yeah, it's also this. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we had... Just looking at this list, we had female-led Suspiria and The Favorite, both incredible, mm-hmm. doing pretty well. Well, maybe Suspiria didn't, but okay, box office, definitely going to get some Oscar noms. You had... Maybe not Suspiria. <laughs> you had a lot of LGBTQ plus community members. Even in our list, we have Bohemian Rhapsody and Love, Simon. Eighth, er, Widows is all like a very diverse female cast. Eighth mm-hmm. grade is for children. You got proper children <laughs> yeah, representation. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Verse, like you talked about Black Panther, which didn't make our list, but is 
in my opinion, a pretty good superhero yeah. movie. Yeah, very cool. Um, has grossing movie of the year. And even uh, a couple of the movies that we haven't hit yet. Um, it was a really good movie for good year for diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important now especially. I think it Definitely. makes good content. I mean. Yeah. Moving on to my number one movie of the year. This is third place for both of you. Listen, you guys knew it was coming. It was the big temple movie of this year. Everyone's been talking about it. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. <laughs> I love Last Jedi. <laughs> Last Jedi is so, so good. good. And now we're going to talk about Last Jedi. <laughs> this is the Last Go. Jedi podcast now. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, great movie though. It's on Netflix. You should see it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> my favorite movie of this year was Avengers: Infinity War. We've already talked about this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Everyone basically has seen it. So I'm going to instead use this time to kind of talk about why I put it at my number one spot. So you look at the main, the non-art house movies of this year, yeah. of the past few years, you look at... Um, Black Panther, Mission Impossible. Yeah. And I feel like we are in the current moment of film we are in because of Marvel Studios. And... Avengers Infinity War captures what Marvel Studios has been going for for 10 years. And this movie has problems. I wouldn't say Hereditary or Fallout or Spider-Verse or my fifth movie that we haven't talked about yet. I don't think those movies have that many flaws. I think Avengers has flaws. But this movie had no right to be good, let alone great. Or work. Yeah, it had no right to work at all. And this movie is very 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 good it's exceptionally good all the characters i mean you're not getting a lot of character development because there are what 64 characters in this one you've got that in the previous movies but all the characters have something to contribute to this story there are a lot of mini arcs that are started but probably not completed because this is a two-part movie um it's like the second last episode of a long-running tv show of game of thrones it's yeah. like episode yeah. nine of a yeah. season of game of thrones which is the know? best episode yes always so you think endgame's gonna be worse <laughs> yeah, endgame's gonna be shit <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's <laughs> I'm true joking, I'm, I'm so excited um yeah this movie it was genuinely hilarious at a lot of points like all marvel movies are the action was incredible mm-hmm. um the moment where thor comes down gave me chills um there was no Led Zeppelin. Uh, that, okay, Rocket Raccoon has a stereo on his thing. He's like, eh, pick a song. He picks a different Led Zeppelin song. Or just the same one. I don't care. That'd be And he just slams down. Yeah. Um, oh, so many movies so quotable. I, I feel like no other movie this year captured pop culture in the way that think, so few things do now. I don't think any movie ever has. This movie is a, like a movement. This movie is like, yes. a, like a time capsule. But... Mm-hmm. You know, of what 2018 and the five years before it looked like and was culminating towards. Yeah, it is truly exceptional. Again, I I have problems with it. We talked about them in the previous podcast. I don't like the way they keep treating the Guardians characters because the Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy is my favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't even remember my flaws. <laughs> that was the <laughs> biggest one. Um, yeah, it's not a perfect movie, but it's really really damn good. And my greatest, my favorite movie of this year, and I think it is the most important movie of this year. I think it's going to be what everyone remembers 2018 was. Yeah. And everyone tries to do what Marvel does, and no one can. No, 
Like, they have it down to a science that, like, DC, even Disney with Star Wars. Exactly. DC, the uh, Dooku couldn't do it. <laughs> no. So we can't, we can't see Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man, mm-hmm. which is a shame because I never want to see Johnny Depp. So that was perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Also, this movie <laughs> made me cry harder than any other movie I saw this year. It destroyed me, which I was not expecting. Um more than her hered- no not more than hereditary maybe say. more eh, uh, no no <laughs> but yeah um if you haven't seen this little art house film i recommend it it's on netflix yeah um it's a little under the radar yeah <laughs> made less than black panther i think i'm pretty yeah. sure there's a statistic show that every person in the world has seen this movie i'm pretty sure i read that somewhere <laughs> Wait, really <laughs> <laughs> like no but like i feel like I wouldn't Everyone be surprised if someone it. said that about Force Awakens, where it was like, either everyone saw this movie, or people saw it multiple times. Yeah, I saw Avengers three times, planning to watch it again soon. Yeah, same. I might do the rewatch you guys did for Endgame. Yeah. It's rough. It's not rough. <laughs> when you get to the Thors, it's rough. <laughs> well, at least they're not bad. Thor 2 is not that bad. Thor 2 is okay, bad. Thor 2 is pretty bad, but not as bad as people. Thor, the thing about Thor 2 is it's not racist. It's the reason why Thor two. Right. Thor one has one racist remark. Do you need more than one? <laughs> I feel like you should get a one pass. You know? Get out of racism free card. Yeah. I don't want to see Skarsgård running around Easter Island naked. That's a genuine plot point in the film. Which Skarsgård? I would see the Pennywise one do it. That's true. Daddy Skarsgård. I, I would see them all. Oh, the one from Mamma Mia. <laughs> Isn't that the one from Thor? No. Stellan. Daddy Daddy Scars. Oh, okay. Mamma Mia, here we go again, too. Your first favorite movie of the year. (laughs) No, 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 I saw that. But we should move into your favorite movies of the year. You guys guys share it in your number one position. (laughs) It is my fifth favorite. But what movie is this, Ryan? Roma. Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. Ethan, what did you think of Roma? Uh, so one of you talked about eighth grade and called it a slice of life movie. I think you did, Ryan. Yeah. And I think Roma is the type of movie I gravitate towards. And because it's a slice of life movie, similar to things like Napoleon Dynamite, Boy, even Florida Project. And a lot sad. Yeah. These are all like <laughs> different genres, but they're movies in which like not a lot happens. Mm-hmm. And Call uh, by your name. It's a perfect example. Yeah. Call me by your name. Great example. And I, I gravitate toward these movies because they are so, uh. They're so reliant on the cinematic aspect of filmmaking, but because like, like Roma doesn't have groundbreaking dialogue, and none of these films do that I mentioned. So it's so reliant on Alfonso Cuarón's amazing eye for visuals and filmmaking. It's just it's fantastic, and uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I don't think it's as great as Children of Men, but I do think. Alfonso Cuaron, like style directing is so powerful and like it, that's the type of movie if I ever made a movie would want to make and it, it really shines in here and it just makes it my favorite movie of the year. He is a, a master of the camera. There is no director who is quite as good at matching the real world through a lens and still make it a film and compelling. And, like, no one else can do it like he does. The way that the camera... It, it does it a lot in Children of Men, but it does it a little bit here to great... To, like, uh, 
fantastic level where the camera kind of moves away from the main character and observes the life of other people for mm-hmm. a, just a second. And it's it reminds you that this world is a world inhabited by other main characters in their mm-hmm. own stories. Mm-hmm. And he has such an... He, he, he humanizes filmmaking. And that's why I think that he is such an incredible filmmaker. That is, I mean, to go deeper into that, that's my favorite part about Alfonso Cuaron's directing. Um, the camera isn't a camera. Like, it's not we're, like we're watching it's theater a, and the camera represents the audience. Like it, a character. It, yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like a toddler whose eyes wander. You yeah. know what I mean? And that is... It's so it makes it so powerful, powerful, Ugh. and he can capture the world these characters live in mm-hmm. so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the black, the choice for black and white makes this movie just absolutely gorgeous, yeah. and mm-hmm. it forces you to focus on what he wants to show you. Mm-hmm. This is arguably where Alfonso Cuarón has the most control. Yeah, I feel yeah. like cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably, Netflix probably just wrote him a check and was like, "Have fun." Yeah, and I think yeah. that's. The perfect way to produce films, and uh, especially if you have Alfonso Cuarón making a film. So many shots in this movie are just gorgeous. I mean, we talked about um, ones from Hereditary and Spider Verse landing in some of my favorites, mm-hmm. but I think Roma would fall there too. Um, the oh, he's just so good behind the camera, yeah. and like the characters are real. Yes, and they're they're people, and you watch them, and you care about them, even if it's like there's no bad character or good character. There are it's just people living their lives, and it doesn't portray a certain lifestyle or a certain culture as bad. It just shows you the truth of it. Yeah, because he is, you know, he is Mexican, and so he comes from a very he can tell the story in a very um, enlightened way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think somehow it's like a weird not love letter, but like just a film. Like showing, because he was raised in a wealthy family and it was probably raised mostly raised by someone like Cleo, mm-hmm. and so it's him just making a film for someone who's important to him. Like it's not a direct; he's not saying it to anybody. Or does he? Doesn't he at the end say for like yeah yeah it's for his maid? Is it Lebo really. or something? But either way, it's just it's a beautiful film, and I think Lebo. I think, except maybe in horror movies, because horror movies scare the shit out of me, I think <laughs> I lack empathy when it comes to things like dramas, and mostly just dramas, but, uh, really? yeah, because I feel like, I don't know, it's, it's just tough, like, it's hard to convince me of the, whether a hardship or whatever is taking place in the film, and I think there's scenes in this film where I was just completely devastated, I was, like, emotionally devastated, I was, uh, it's just, it blows my mind what Alfonso Cron can do in a movie. I watched this movie and I'm like, that's my favorite scene of the year. And then it gets like 10 minutes later and I'm like, that's my favorite scene of the year. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps building up. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it, it just like, it escalates in a very like subtle way. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. Ethan, you talked about how there were some like pretty dark, very, very sad, but moving scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, to juxtapose that with Ballad of Buster Scruggs and specifically the Liam Neeson skit, oh. this movie earns all the emotions it makes you feel. Like Definitely. I'm, I'm looking at the IMDb page just to because I was trying to confirm mm-hmm. who um the uh, house servant that he de- dedicated the movie towards was, and just looking at the poster for this movie, yeah. knowing the shot 
that that comes from and the context around it like kind of makes me mm-hmm. emotional um this movie goes make forces you to go through a roller coaster of a roller coaster of emotions and it earns every step of the way mm-hmm. and it's not hyper saturated with content it's just no. it's just people it's There's... just people living life and life is sad and happy and depressing yeah. and funny and deeply nuanced and mm-hmm. alfonso Cuaron captures this so well in all that yeah. the like the dialogue isn't that like nuance i would say it's just like realistic dialogue except there's one it was like one or two lines at the end that is from where the poster is yeah that like that's when it was like oh my god i'm, I'm almost about to cry i didn't but almost, almost. Um, it's like the i don't know who it was I, it might have been spielberg who said that um what's in uh, what's more important is what's not on the camera yeah what not what's not being shown than what is and alfonso Cuaron knows that and uses that he's, he's the perfect example of the show don't tell rule mm-hmm. in filmmaking and i think that's why consistently his films blow me away they're never very dialogue heavy like even gravity there's no dialogue in that film or children of men or children of men yeah well children of men has a lot of dialogue but it's not very dialogue heavy but once you get into like the real meat of the movie it's like a lot of just kind of screaming that's <laughs> true I mean? that's true and there's i don't know there's a shot that uh is parallels one of his shots in uh children of men where he's the like, mother holding or just like a woman oh, holding yeah. their son or whatever. Yeah, just like but screaming. very yeah. different. Yeah, and just mm-hmm. blows my mind. Mm-hmm. No, I was talking about a different one. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I was thinking okay. like on the street, like she's crying and her son's just got shot. Oh, and yeah, 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 you're right. And I was like, every time I see that, I'm like, oh my God. And like, that's not, it just glances by it. The camera just looks at it and, moves and then on. moves on. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ethan, you and I were talking about this um, to go more into the complexity of the characters. It would have been really easy to make the mom character in this just like an evil stepsister of Cinderella type, but she's not. She does things that most people would disagree with. She acts out, but she's also going through a really, really hard time herself, like not to go into it to spoil stuff, but that's what's so beautiful is you don't really hate or love any of these characters because they're just nuanced people and alfonso Cuaron captures that in a way that is really unlike any other director or writer that i've seen mm-hmm. i yeah and also it's like it's a hard subject because there's some criticism where it's like uh he's he's the wealth wealthy white alfonso Cuaron is the wealthy white character in this film making something about his mexican poor maid well they're all mexican but it's like lighter darker skin yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I mean. and so uh and that's but i think there's no He's, not, he's never trying to make a point. It's more yeah. just like, this is what it is. And uh, this is the life. Yeah. yeah. These people lived. I think it somehow he makes it more compelling. And uh, Like, we're not the white savior for giving her a home. And uh, she also doesn't hate her life because yeah. she's a maid either. It's a myth. This is her so life. So nuanced. Yeah. And there's yeah. parts of it that she's really grateful for. And there's parts she could probably live without. But this is life. This is the slice of life. Anything else about Roma? It's just beautiful. And there's no, like, if you have Netflix, there's no reason not to watch it. Yeah. It's practically free. Mm-hmm. No. Like $10.99 a month. <laughs> is that how much it is now? Is it? I don't know. I thought so. <laughs> That's true. No, but I love this movie. I, I'm pretty confident with my list order, but I'm thinking I'm going to have to bump up my star ratings because I feel like I got them too low. 
Gotta, gotta add a lot more fives. Um, you feel like? Yeah, I feel like all my top five should be fives now. And maybe really? some of these should be four and a halves. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to add our list in the description so that you can kind of follow along because the way we did our order, it's kind of hard to tell the exact top 10 of ours. Um, and I'll also link to our Letterboxd accounts, which will include our top 15. So you'll have the next five highest movies if you want to check that out. Um, Mine is all of the movies I've seen this year. You're going to keep it all of the movies? Yeah, I like doing cool. that because I like to remind myself that Super Troopers 2 is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> kind of talking about that, what yeah. were some of the bad movies? And since we don't really seek out bad movies, what were some of the disappointments of this year? Ryan, you said Super Troopers. <laughs> so I saw this with a friend who was very excited to see Super Troopers 2. Not because they were a fan of Super Troopers 1, but because they like bad comedies. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, it was, uh, not to come off pretentious or anything, but it was, uh, it was awful. It was very bad. It was bit humor, but like the worst kind of bit humor, where it's just like, just toilet humor. I don't know what bit humor is. Like you know, like it's like this is this is the bit. Joke, has nothing to do line. with the pot plot. Let's oh, move on to yeah. the next bit. Like Monty Python, but not funny. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, there's a bear in our cabin. Now we have to deal with that. And then the bear like farts. I don't know. It was a bad movie. <laughs> I it, it left such a sour taste in my mouth. I think my biggest disappoint, disappointment was also a Star Wars movie. Two years in a row, biggest disappointments. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, solo, a Star Wars story is uh, not a good film. Uh, I agree. That was probably my biggest disappointment. It's a shame well. that Childish Gambino... Uh, he has a name. Oh, sorry. Childish Gambino. <laughs> it's a shame that he's not in a better film. <laughs> but other than that, He plays Lando really well. Yeah, I mean, we talked again. We talked about this one in another podcast, so I won't go too into it. Um, performances were good. The movie was horrible. <laughs> Wait, did you? Yeah, with uh, was solo out by the time we? Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah, I remember ranting about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I saw Halloween. I liked Halloween. I did not. I think I it's my like twenty first film this year, but I liked it. I don't like uh, movies in which everybody is stupid, and they just do stupid stuff. And there's one part in Halloween that makes me so mad, and I think about it constantly. But so Michael Myers just stabbed someone to death, and a cop sees him walking down the stairs, points his gun, and is like, "Michael, like Michael is going to respond." So there's okay. been like eight movies he has with a Michael. Really high voice. Oh, it just makes me, yeah. There's way more than eight. There's like fourteen, I think. Aren't there like three continuities? There's like six. Really it doesn't. It's stupid. It, who cares? Uh, I was very disappointed by Ant-Man and the Wasp. I know you guys enjoyed that. I think I was... I knew what I was You think Ant-Man and the Wasp is worse than Mary Poppins? Yes. Mary Poppins was fine. Mary Poppins it was, was It was worse stupid. than Ant-Man. Like, notably worse. Um, my biggest disappointment this year, other than Solo, except I, I, I kind of was expecting Solo to be bad, so I would have been more surprised if that was good, but um, Annihilation... Um, this movie, a lot of people really liked, including uh, Barack Obama, yeah. <laughs> as noted on his Instagram account. Um, but it just didn't work for me at all. It thought it was so much smarter than it actually was. And the movie looks fine, but this is a year with Roma and Spider-Verse and Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman. Like, there are a bunch of movies this year that look way better. <laughs> um, there's one quote in the movie. Where it's like, I know why I went in here. I have breast cancer or something. And it is literally the exact same delivery of that one quote from the room. And, oh, it's just so bad. It's so stupid. Um, 
I haven't seen it. And I don't want to see it. Neither of yeah, no. neither of you have seen it. Neither. Um, I'm curious what you think. Maybe I, I know I'm already in the minority, but maybe I'd even be in the minority of you three. Yeah. You said um, you thought I'd like it. Yeah, you might. I'm torn because Obama likes it. You don't like it. Yeah. Who's opinion? We are of equal status. <laughs> I'm at a crossroads. <laughs> I also saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, these two have not. And uh, that was, uh, it's not that I was disappointed by it because I expected nothing from it, really. <laughs> uh, but it was bad. It was really bad. It was like two bad movies sandwiched into one bad movie. Because <laughs> it's like, they spend the first, like, I don't want to say hour, but it might be an hour on the island and like driving to go to the island and then some evil company tyrell corporation or whatever <laughs> steals all the dinosaurs and then um a bright D- dallas buyers club and chris pratt have to go <laughs> save the dinosaurs and then one of the babies one of the children is like half dinosaur or something no she's a clone, no, she's a clone of the but she like releases oh i'm gonna spoil it i don't care she releases all the dinosaurs at the end so now they're all roaming in the world <laughs> free and she's like they're just like me and then uh, <laughs> jeff goldblum looks at the camera and goes it really is a jurassic world <laughs> and then it ends right oh, which, yes well, well <laughs> they, they're driving by uh um dallas texas and uh chris pratt are driving on the uh like countryside with their new adopted kid who's a clone and she's <laughs> staring out the window and there's like three pterodactyls flying by and i'm like this is the stupidest thing this is the worst jurassic park movie maybe he didn't cry when the bronchiosaurus dies from smoke inhalation while trying to escape the island the bronchiosaurus can walk on water that's why it's neck so big so it could breathe <laughs> <laughs> that's like the first time you see the bronchiosaurus in the original jurassic park they're like in the water right yeah well no they're they're walking on land i think oh right? they are yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really bad i could do a whole podcast explaining that movie. we're gonna leave and we'll just talk about jurassic world <laughs> fallen kingdom so we talked about what we liked and didn't like from 2018 what are you excited for in 2019 uh dune i didn't even think of that do yeah I'm extremely excited for it. I haven't even seen the original Doom, but uh, I love science fiction. I love Timothy Chalamet. I love Denis Villeneuve. Is he in it? Yeah. Oh my you god, you're blowing me away. No, I didn't know anything about this movie other than I think Villeneuve. he's in it, right? You're the one, I think you're the one that told me this. Yeah, I think he's in it. Yeah. I, think so. I don't know. Are you just uh, you told me. What? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't oh, say anything. Wait, I gotta check that. In fact, check that. Check back to that. I'm really excited for Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi's new movie, uh, where he plays Adolf Hitler. And uh, other than that, I don't know anything about it except uh, some of the cast. And uh, I just like Taika Waititi, and I trust him with anything. And uh, I'm excited to see a new film of his. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Oh, my I God. Think that's next year, too. Be the Irishman. The Irishman. Martin Scorsese with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. It's the first time wow. he worked with uh, Al Pacino. Yeah. How, how is that happening? Yeah. Uh, um, I'm excited for a lot of the Temple movies next year. Um, we got Captain Marvel, um, Far From Home, I'm pretty sure it comes out next year. Yeah. Uh, Endgame, obviously. Um, what? No, glad. Avengers Endgame? Oh, I haven't heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really excited for Star Wars Episode Nine. Um, I know that thought. I'm kind of excited. I don't give two shits. Because <laughs> oh, I still really like the characters. They ruined so. my childhood. Game of Thrones, Season yeah. eight, mm-hmm. 9, 8? Eight? 8. 8. Glass looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Glass looks interesting. I got to see Unbreakable Mm -hmm. first. Sonic the Hedgehog, another temple. (laughs) I'm very excited for Detective Pikachu. (laughs) His weird hairy legs. 
<laughs> he does look weird. <laughs> I hope it's like a real person in a costume. I hope he looks like the Grinch. I think the second <laughs> it movie awesome. comes out next year. I'm not entirely sure. Though. Yeah, I think you're right. With what the if, adults, that'll be interesting. What if Sonic's also played by Jim Carrey? And just oh. everyone's played by Jim Carrey. And, but he thinks he's um, the pet detective Ace Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like really whimsical. <laughs> and he's living in the Truman Show. I'm excited to yes. see. I hope, hopefully Cream is given justice. Yeah. On the big screen. Cream, that's one of the characters. Peach. No, it's, it's <laughs> Cream. It's Cream. And then, oh, from Sonic. And yeah. then Cream has a has like a chow is what they're called. What? I don't know. Has like a pet called a chow. Oh, and I you know. And raise chows. Yeah. Huh. What what I was telling Ethan that in Sonic the Hedgehog, he is the president's in the game, <laughs> and the president is like talking about how, um, like how sad he is that Shadow and Sonic are fighting, <laughs> and there's this picture on his desk of Shadow and Sonic, and like best buds with their arms so in each other's hands. I think the president's is too. It's like a prom photo. It's ridiculous. We also got a uh, Toy Story four and the Lion King next year. I'm not very. Excited I've seen the Lion King, so either. Yeah. <laughs> John Wick three. I'm just looking at a list. Ooh, Joaquin really? Phoenix is the Joker. Definitely not going to see that. I might see really? it. Honestly, I might. I, I, I like. I, why not? I like what I like. Joaquin Phoenix looks like a convincing Joker because uh, he's kind of a freak. The new Hellboy with yeah, uh, guy from Stranger Things, uh, Men in Black with Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, I saw the trailer for that. It does not look good. Pet Cemetery looked really um, creepy. Is it on a movie already? Yes, it is, but they're remaking it. Uh, what do you it's think? the it thing. Hey, what do you think is going to be your favorite movie next year? Do you have any guesses? Probably Avengers Endgame. Dune or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Probably one of those two. I think I'm going to be battling between three. I think it's going to be between Episode Nine, Endgame, and probably an indie um, Oscar movie that we don't know of yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to talk about some of our other favorite media? Not movie related. We're running a little long, but we could um, okay. touch on just that quickly something. mention it because, like, I want to mention Carsey Tedros from Fancy, fantastic album. Yeah, and uh, we already did a video on it, but uh, or podcast on it. But the Spider Man game, it's a ton of fun. Oh, update has Ryan finished the game. You don't have to. You don't have to do this. <laughs> How have you moved any further than the last time we when we recorded that podcast? Yes, yes you I have. have. Okay. Yes, I have. <sighs> okay. Um, Ethan, you really enjoyed Red Dead. You said that was your... yeah. Red Dead Redemption Two is probably one of my favorite video games of all time. Definitely one of my favorite single player experiences of all time, and definitely one of my favorite narratives of all time. Uh, other media, I think you should check out Anderson Pox's new album, Oxnard. Probably one of my favorite albums of the year. Kitsy Ghost. Kitsy Ghost is good. Yeah, Kanye is a Kanye yeah, is a bad guy, but Yay is good. I saw Hamilton this year. That was awesome. <laughs> I didn't watch a lot of TV shows. I didn't have a lot of time for it. I'm halfway through Haunting of Hill House, and I just started Red Dead. Yep. So most of my time went to movies and not consuming pop culture. Yeah. Consuming news and podcasts more so. But mm-hmm. anything else from 2018? Um, I can go on about albums, but I'm not going to bore you. <laughs> okay, well, this was really fun. One of yeah. my highlights whenever I get the chance is being able to see movies with you guys, and I really like talking about it. And this episode was especially fun. Um, talking about all our favorites of 2018. So thanks to you guys for listening. Our podcast art was done by Ted Ryan. Our intro song is Bistro by Mad Villain. And I want to thank Anchor for making this podcast possible. That's it from us. I'm Clayton Terry. I'm Ethan Terry. And I'm Ryan Terry. Happy New Year. See you in 2019. <laughs> the year of storms. <laughs>